Well, as you may have heard by now, Jon Stewart is returning to The Daily Show. Pretty incredible. He is fantastic, and I can't wait to see him return. And in honor of that, I want to do a little bit of a flashback to one of the most legendary moments on national television in the last couple of decades. My goodness. So back in 2004, there was a show on the air many of you might remember called Crossfire. It was on CNN and the hosts were Tucker Carlson and Paul Begala. And the point of the show is to have a person on the left and a person on the right discuss the news and argue about it and debate and politicians come on and it's all heated. And then Jon Stewart comes on and unexpectedly nukes the entire thing. Three months later, the whole show was canceled after this 2004 appearance. Now, that's a correlation, not asserting a causation there. But essentially, what happens in the clip you're about to watch is Jon Stewart calls out the whole game being played. The partisan hackery of people like Tucker Carlson, the nerf football sort of performative stuff that went on on that show and still goes on in a lot of the media. People play these disingenuous characters for ratings and views and money and ultimately that hurts america so much wow and it was a pretty epic moment especially as it relates to tucker carlson because john stewart at the time called out the dangerous game that tucker carlson would go on to play even more severely for the rest of his career while he was on crossfire he was practicing playing that character that he increasingly made further and further right and more and more detached from reality eventually reaching the tucker carlson we know today and before he was the modern version of tucker john stewart saw that dishonesty of his whole act and called it out to his face here it is i think oftentimes the person that knows they can't win is allowed to speak the most freely and uh uh because otherwise shows with titles such as Crossfire, crossfire, or hardball, or I'm gonna kick your ass, or uh, <laughs> we'll 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 jump on it. It it in, in many ways, it's funny, you know. And, and I I made a special effort to come on the show today because I have uh, privately amongst my friends and also in occasional newspapers and television shows <laughs> mentioned uh, this show as being uh, uh, bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and I wanted to. I felt that that wasn't fair, and I should come here and, and tell you that I don't. It's not so much that it's bad as it's hurting America. <laughs> so I, I wanted to but come here today let me, and say... Wait, wait, no, I just, let me... Here, here, here's just one, what I wanted to tell you guys. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> stop, 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 stop hurting America. Okay, now... Let me, and and let come work you. for us, because <laughs> we, as the people... How do you pay? The people, not, not well... Better than CNN, I'm sure. But you can sleep at night. <laughs> See, the, the, the thing is, we need your, your help. You're, right now, you're helping the politicians and the, 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 the corporations, and we're left out there like to mow our lawns. You just said we're too rough on them when they make mistakes. No, 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 you're not too rough on them. You're part of their strategies. You're partisan, um, what do you call it, hacks. Wait, John, wait, like, let, me, so, let me tell you something. We're here to love you, not confront you. No, 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 but, but what, what I'm saying nice. is, is this. I, I'm not. I'm here to, to confront you because we need help from the media, and they're hurting us and it's yeah. the, the idea if is they, if the indictment is, let me get this straight if the indictment yeah. is 
Uh, if the indictment is, and I have seen you say this, that yeah. uh, Crossfire reduces everything, as I said in the intro, to right. left, right, black, white. Yes. Well, it's because, see, we're a debate show. It's like seeing the no, Weather no, Channel. No, 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 that'd be great. A storm I would love to see a debate show. 30 minutes in a 24-hour day where we have each side on as best no, we can No, no, get no, 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 that would be great. And have to, them fight it out. To do a debate would be great, but that's like saying pro-wrestling is uh, John, a show John, about athletic John, I'm competition. Sorry. I, I think you're a good comedian. I think your lectures are boring. Let me ask you, let me yeah. ask you a question on the news. Now, this is theater. I mean, it's, it's it is, obvious. No, no, it is. How old are you? 35. And you wear a bow tie. Yeah, I do. I do. So, I do. so this is... No, no, I know, I know. So you're right. No, no, let me just go. Now, come on. And come listen, on. I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that you're, that, not, you're not a smart guy, because those are not easy to tie. But the thing difficult. is that this, you're doing theater when you should be doing debate, which would be great. You do de no, it's, it's, it's not, not pro. honest. What you do is not honest. Course, what you do is partisan honest. hackery. And I'll, and I'll tell you, you why I, I know You on your show, and you sniff his throne, and you're accusing us of partisan hackery? Absolutely. You're You've a, got to be kidding, man. You're on CNN. Say, My, the show that leads into me is puppets making crank phone calls. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Well, I'm just saying, there's no reason for you, when you have this marvelous opportunity not to be the guy's butt boy, to go ahead and be his butt boy. Yes, that no, is embarrassing. I was absolutely his butt boy. I was so far, you would not believe what he ate two weeks ago. You know, the interesting thing that I have is, you have a responsibility to the public discourse. And you, you fail miserably. I think. You need to go to one. The, the thing that I want to say is, when you have people on for just knee-jerk, reactionary talk... Wait, I thought you were going to be funny. Come on, be funny. No, no, I'm not going to be your monkey. Um, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I watch your show every day, and it kills me. I can tell you love it's it. So, oh, it's so painful to watch. Um, you know, because we need what you do. This is such a great opportunity you have here to actually get politicians really John off of their marketing anyway. and strategy. Yeah, it's someone who watches your show and cannot take it anymore. <laughs> I just can't. What's it like to have dinner with you? It must I'm be just... excruciating. Do you like lecture people like this? Or do you come over to their house and sit and lecture them? And, you know, they're not doing the right thing, that they're missing their opportunities, evading their responsibilities? If I think they are. Look! I wouldn't want to eat with you, man. That's horrible. I know, and you won't. But the thing we I want to get to... We did to... promise naked pictures of the Supreme Court. Yeah, we Court. did. No. Let's get to those. Why can't, in this book, why can't we just talk... Book. Please, I beg of you guys. I please. think you watched too much Crossfire. We're you... going to take a quick no, break. No, 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 Look, no. No, no, hold please. on. We've got, we've got commercials. Please. Next, please stop in the rapid fire. Please Hopefully stop. Hopefully, he'll be here. We hope. We think. So I'll play more from after they come back from commercial in a little bit. But I have to say, something is super sad about watching those moments because it reminds me of one of the aspects I dislike about covering the news and covering so many of these people in the media. It's the knowledge in the back of my head that drives me crazy. That especially in the modern Trump loyal media. So many figures just don't believe a single word they're saying. And as someone who got into this because I just cared about these issues and care about politics a ton, I was just sort of obsessed with politics, that's super hard to contend with. So when I play clips of people on Fox News saying this thing or that thing, I'll try my best to respond to their points as presented, assuming they're genuinely expressing their views, but I know they aren't. I know this is just an act for so many of them. They're playing a character as Jon Stewart was calling out, and that makes it a lot harder to get excited about debunking things and arguing with people because no matter what we say or do, no matter what facts we can present, if it's still profitable, Fox will keep chugging along, Newsmax will keep chugging along, etc. It feels like we can't move the needle. 
sometimes. And as an example of this, it reminds me of reading Tucker Carlson's text that came out during the Dominion lawsuit process where he said he hates Trump with a passion. And we read that while all knowing that he'd go out on the air the next night and be supportive of Trump and bolster his messages. And then I'll address how liberal media fits into this analysis after watching more. Welcome back to Crossfire. We're talking to John Stewart, who was just lecturing us on our moral inferiority. John, you're bumming us out. Tell us, what do you think of the Bill O'Reilly vibrator story? No, oh, I'm sorry. I don't. Oh, okay. What, what do you think? Uh, let me change the subject then. Uh, Where's your moral which, outrage on this? <laughs> I don't have any. Uh, I which, know. Which candidate is supposed to provide you better material? I'm sorry? Which candidate is supposed to provide you better material if he wants? Mr. T. I think he'd be the funniest. Uh, well, I do you have a stake in it that way, as a, not just a citizen, but as a professional comic? Right. Which I hold have... to be much more important than as, as a citizen. Well, there you go. Uh, well, who would provide you better material if it's supposed? I, I don't really know. I, it's kind of not how we look at it. We look at the, the absurdity of the system provides us the most material, and that is best served by sort of the, uh, the theater of it all, you know, which, by the way, Thank you both, because it's been helpful. But if, but if, if Kerry gets elected, is it good? I mean, you said you're voting for him. You obviously support him. It's uh, mm -hmm. clear. Will it be harder for you to mock his administration if he becomes president? Now, why would it be harder? Because The only way it would that. be harder is if his administration is less absurd than this one. So in that case, if it's less absurd, then yeah, I think it'd be harder. But, uh, I mean, it'd be hard to top this group. I mean, quite frankly, uh, in terms of absurdity and... Their world uh, matching up uh, to, to, to the one that, you know, it was interesting. I, I, President Bush was saying, you know, John Kerry's rhetoric doesn't match his record. But I've heard President Bush describe his record. His record doesn't match his record. So, you know, I don't, I don't worry about it in that respect. But let me ask uh, uh, you guys again a question because we talked a little bit about, you know, you're actually doing honest debate and all that. But after the debates, where do you guys head to right afterwards? The men's room. Be right after that. Right, home. Spin Alley. Home? No, Spin Alley. What are you talking about? I mean, at these debates? Yeah, you go to Spin Alley, the place called Spin Alley. Mm -hmm. Now, don't you think that for people watching at home, that's kind of a drag? That you're literally walking to a place called Deception Lane? Like, it's Spin Alley. It's, don't, don't you see, that's the, the issue I'm trying to talk to you guys. Well, I actually believe, I had a lot of friends who worked for President Bush. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to college with them. Neither of us was ever in the room, actually. They, no, I did. I went to the Larry King show. They actually believe what right. they're saying. They want to persuade you. That's what they're trying to do by spinning. But I don't doubt for a minute these people who work for President Bush, who I disagree with and everything, they right. believe that stuff, John. This is Here, not here's a what lie I think. or deception at I all. Think they, they believe, believe in him. I think they believe. Just like I believe in my guys. I think they believe President Bush would do a better job and I believe the Kerry guys believe President Kerry would do a better job. But what I believe is they're not making honest arguments. So what they're doing is, in their mind, the ends justify the means. And that last point is one I've outlined on the show before. That I think the way that, for example, someone like Sean Hannity justifies misrepresenting the facts constantly on his show is by saying, well, I'm fighting for the correct side to himself. You know, that's, that's what I'm doing. So how I do that doesn't really matter. And... I think he genuinely believes in a general sense going right is better than going left, but then sacrifices the truth to defend that, which, as I've said many times in the past, is a very dangerous road to go down. And then for some people, I don't think it's about fighting for the correct side at all. I think it's more purely about money, a business decision. Fox News, I think, is unfortunately a perfect example of that. Just everything being for ratings, and that's also a really dangerous path to go down but now let's address quote-unquote liberal 
media. I'll get to a sort of different take on that in a second. But first, I will say it's a dereliction of duty across almost all of the media that politicians aren't asked barely ever about their campaign donations. If you're blocking a particular bill and received millions through your PACs, super PACs from the industry that would be impacted, you should be confronted about that. And the reason that doesn't happen in mainstream media is because then politicians would stop showing up on those shows. So it's not evil backroom, we're gonna protect the donors. It's just their viewers wanna see politicians interviewed or they think they do. And if they start asking those sorts of questions, no one will come on those shows access. But if elections are heavily impacted by the amount of money that can be raised, which they are, it's fair and necessary to press elected leaders on the ways those donations are impacting their decision making. So that criticism applies to right-wing centrist and liberal media alike. How often is a senator asked, do you not support lowering prescription drug costs because Big Pharma donated like a lot of money to you? <laughs> and that should happen. But I'll also address something sort of different. I'm curious to hear all of your thoughts about this. I'd also be curious to hear Jon Stewart's response to this. I think liberal media in this current moment has over-adjusted to right-wing criticism. And what I mean is for decades, right-wing media and Republican politicians have been screaming that mainstream legacy media is so liberal and so biased and Trump came along, fake news. And because of that, in much of mainstream media, you've seen a concerted effort to prove them wrong to the point where the coverage of facts is suffering. The media's job ideally is not to fight for a team, it's not to kiss up to the powerful, it's not to make the viewers happy, it's to honestly and accurately convey reality to its viewers, the news media that is. And so that requires challenging the powerful, it requires covering things that viewers won't like necessarily, etc. But it also requires being able to tell viewers when things aren't normal, when democracy is on the line, and when achievements are being racked up by an elected leader. Biden. And that's what I think has changed in much of legacy media. The CNNs of the world want so desperately to prove they aren't quote unquote liberal media, they're not too biased in a liberal direction, that they end up sacrificing the facts in a moment when sober coverage of the situation at hand is going to be called liberal by those who think accepting election results is liberal. Yeah, they're going to call you liberal almost no matter what. And treating this election normally and not properly covering the authoritarian threat that's posed by a second Trump term, it is a profound disservice to the viewers. And this is what would get me accused of being too liberal. But I watch a lot of media across the political spectrum in preparation for the show and have the responsibility of accurately assessing what's going on. And right now, the incentive structures have changed so much that on the right, in much of right-wing media, the way you get ratings is by praising Trump and fear-mongering out the wazoo about anything related to the left. In mainstream or left-of-center media, it's actually become more advantageous for a lot of outlets to avoid any praise of Joe Biden or Democrats, even when factually justified. Thus, Biden's poll numbers are what they are. And this phenomenon was really effectively explained by David Roberts on Chris Hayes' show, Take a look. Next year will be an even more explicit referendum on the future of American democracy. And yet, there's this maddening set of rhetorical incentives driving all different factions of the American electorate and institutions and media 
to criticize the person representing the pro-democracy forces in that referendum, President Joe Biden. As writer David Roberts puts it, quote, there is no faction in U.S. politics, barely even elected Democrats, for whom praising Democrats is socially advantageous. It is, from almost every vantage point, uncool. Just try it on Twitter to see for yourself. Joining me now is David Roberts, author of the fantastic Volts newsletter, host of the Volts podcast, which is about clean energy and politics. David, I thought your your thread the other day was, was fascinating about the rhetorical incentives that a whole variety of factions, ostensibly on the center left or in the establishment of American life, have towards their views of the current incumbent American president and what to say about him. Run me through your argument. Yeah, this is this has been striking me for years, and it's only gotten more acute lately, I think. Uh, obviously, anytime uh, you watch right-wing media, Republican media, it's, not, it's wall-to-wall criticism of Democrats, e- even more so than praise of Republicans. Humanized Democrats has been the core of Fox's uh, uh, reason for being since it was born. And then you have the left, the sort of far left, the, the, the progressives, who, for good reasons, I think, want to move the Dems left and want the Dems to be more ambitious and so are constantly criticizing Dems from the left to the point that it's become kind of a rigid habit that they do regardless, no matter what happens. Uh, and then you have these sort of, uh, you know, these sort of thoughtful, centrist Dem pundits, all of whom need to show the other thoughtful, centrist Dem pundits how independent they are, the fact they're not partisans, they're not team players, they're thinking for themselves. And the way to do that is by criticizing their own party. And so if you go down the list, you'll notice there's no one left who actually just wants to go tell voters what Democrats have accomplished, what Dems are doing, who wants to actually be partisan for Democrats. It's a weird thing that there's one of two political parties that has effectively very little spokespeople in the media. Everyone has incentive to criticize them. No one has the incentive to defend them. So now the character, if you will, that much of the mainstream media plays, and I'm not judging their intentions, but what ends up happening is the CNNs, ABCs, etc. They play this character of a neutral observer who does semi-normal coverage of an unprecedented moment. The job of the media has never been to be neutral. It's to be accurate. And the way that mainstream media engages in this sort of behavior, I do want to be clear, it's not comparable to Fox News and their dishonesty in the overt harm that's being done. But it is doing harm, nevertheless. Even if you're going to receive unwarranted allegations of bias, it's your responsibility to properly report on the facts. And right now, impartial presidential historians can tell you, Joe Biden has had potentially the most effective presidency in at least 50 years. If that's true, then it should be reported on. And experts on authoritarianism can tell you that a second Trump term could end American democracy. He tried to block the peaceful transfer of power factually in 2020 and 2021. And he has even more devastating plans for a second Trump term as we've gone over extensively in the past. So the media cannot fight for a team. The media also shouldn't prove they aren't fighting for a team by punching both sides equally if both sides don't deserve an equal number of punches, okay? You don't switch from covering Trump calling for the termination of the Constitution to Biden wearing sneakers to avoid tripping just to prove you're doing unflattering coverage of both sides. That's not an accurate portrayal of the political moment we're in. And that's what I think has changed a lot in recent years with the rise of the Trump Republican Party. 
when an authoritarian anti-democratic movement is rising, that has to be properly discussed and given as much airtime as it deserves. And the reason a lot of people don't comprehend that that's the moment we're facing is because of the situation related to the media that I just outlined. And that's how I think the mainstream media is currently failing because of the changes in incentive structures. Much of the left of center audiences feel good perceiving themselves to be enlightened centrists, even when being unapologetically pro-democracy is the far more honorable and accurate position. Well, it is a day that ends in the letter Y, so we have to check in on the threat being posed to our democracy. If you're currently thinking that elected Republicans learned a single thing from Trump's attempts in 2020 and 2021 to block the peaceful transfer of power and install himself as the president and somehow they know better now, you're wrong. Because one of the people who was caught encouraging Trump to invoke martial law, deploy the military to keep him in the White House three days before Biden became president is saying he doesn't regret anything other than misspelling the word Marshall in a text about this in a truly baffling interview with Caitlin Collins on CNN. And by the way, martial law is essentially suspending ordinary laws and taking military control over the government. So he doesn't regret saying Trump should have done a military coup, a military coup to keep him in the White House three days before Biden's inauguration. And I'm referring to Republican Congressman Ralph Norman. And Caitlin Collins, the CNN host, was visibly shocked, understandably, as he said what he said in this interview. And the entire country, the world, should be horrified by the state of the Republican Party. And it is horrified. So you'll hear Caitlin Collins break down some of the context in the clip that you're about to watch, but essentially Republican Congressman Ralph Norman texted Trump's chief of staff on January 17th, 2021, after it was already abundantly clear there was absolutely no widespread voter fraud. And he said this, Mark, in seeing what's happening so quickly, in reading about the Dominion lawsuits attempting to stop any meaningful investigation, we are at a point of no return in saving our public. Our last hope is invoking martial law, but he spells martial like the name. Please urge to present to do so, is how he says that. And here was Ralph Norman's response in the year 2023 last night to a question about that. And by the way, Caitlin Collins does a great job of holding his feet to the fire, but truly an insane moment. Take a look. But Congressman, you know, one thing that you have said on the campaign trail for Nikki Haley repeatedly when questioned about what is her path to victory is you talk about the voters and you say the voters should be the ones to decide. Obviously, everyone agrees with that. But you know, when you talk about what the voters decide, I have to ask you, because you and I have never spoken before in an interview about a text message that you sent to Mark Meadows. It was three days before President Biden was inaugurated. And you were urging the White House to use the U.S. military to prevent the peaceful transfer of power. Do you regret sending that message? The only thing I regret, I misspell uh, martial law. I misspell that. No, I didn't. I didn't. Look, everything happened so quick in that election. Uh, The time that was given to see if the ballots were real, see if... uh, you know, you've seen 2,000 mules. Uh, most people have. There's a lot of questions. What's wrong with That was created by time? a guy that Trump and pardoned. I was in... Created by who? 
wasn't that created by a guy that Trump pardoned? I mean, the point of it is that movie is not based in reality. There is no, no election fraud, and there, uh, courts have proven that. Republican judges that were appointed by Republican presidents have noted that. I mean, there was no elect, there was no evidence of that by no, the time January 17th rolled around, Congressman. Well, there were questions, as you know, there were questions throughout the election process. Uh, what happened in Georgia was unusual. What happened in Arizona was unusual. Look, I talked to the Congress people uh, that served those particular states. But uh, no, I don't regret that um, at all. So he doesn't regret it at all other than misspelling Marshall. I'll play more in just a second where Collins presses him much more and it gets worse, but this is what we're all screaming about. Ralph Norman, by the very nature of what he's saying, is admitting that he would have been okay seeing Trump take his advice, invoke martial law, and try to wield the military to keep him in the White House. A military coup. You don't deserve to be elected to office if you hate our constitution that much, if you don't respect a fundamental tenet of our democracy, the peaceful transfer of power, then you don't deserve to represent our country. This is truly disgusting. Think about what he's saying. Yeah, no, I was saying doing a military coup, totally fine with that. And no, there aren't still questions. This has been one of the most investigated and litigated elections in history. And at every turn, we've just come to know better that Joe Biden was elected legitimately. This is not a pro-democracy movement. And it's disturbing. Here's more. Sir, what questions are there that linger today? Uh, because this is really important. We are approaching another election. And when you talk to Republican voters, in CNN exit polls, half of them don't believe that Joe Biden legitimately won the election, which he did. And calling for martial law because you have questions about the election, I think most people would agree is subverting the will of voters that you often talk about that are so important. No, I, look, uh, to keep this system honest, photo voter ID, which the Democrats tried to circumvent, they've been trying to, to circumvent that. Uh, what they're doing with the illegal aliens, with the, with the vote, get them registered to vote, is not right. That's what I'm talking about. What does that have uh, to do making with sure that's you call, every you're vote, call, every, calling for martial law, Kaylin, Congressman? Look, look I texted uh, Mark Meadows. That's the only person. Uh, he didn't have the power. I asked him, Donald Trump was shot He was, was the chief too. of staff at the White um, House. Did he respond to your message that day? I don't think you've ever, uh, ever made clear what his acknowledgement of your message was. I don't, you know, I don't think he, everything was going on, everything was so fast, I don't think he did. But the bottom line is we got to have secure elections and whatever that takes. Uh, there are a lot of questions that still exist. Um, you know, you've seen the lawsuits that, that were there. Uh, but no, I... Um, I wouldn't take it back. I, I misspelled it. I should have taken the time. I was in a hurry. and uh, But no, I, I would not. I don't regret that. Those lawsuits were all thrown out. None of them amounted to anything. The only place where they found they miscounted, Biden actually had a bigger margin than he initially did. Congressman, it is striking to hear you say that you stand by asking for martial law to be declared three days before Biden was elected. Uh, I just wanted to make sure we, we talked to you about that. So thank you, Congressman Ralph Norman for your time tonight. So by the way, he's still just referencing these tired conspiracy theories. Undocumented immigrants can vote. No, they can't. He's just lying or he's embarrassingly misinformed. And this whole thing is really, it's getting to me. It's disturbing. Someone's caught encouraging the president through his chief of staff to take a military control of the government to refuse the peaceful transfer of power and then doesn't regret doing so. 
If you stand by that, again, you hate, despise the very concept of democracy. I know that sounds hyperbolic, but it's absolutely the case. And the fact that anyone would consider voting for Donald Trump after he tried to block the peaceful transfer of power, the fake elector scheme, pressuring local officials to engage in fraud, etc., all the stuff we've gone over over the last months and years is insane. And now Trump is going around saying he's going to lock up his political opponents and target media outlets he doesn't like. And he wrote on True Social, quote, a massive fraud of this type of magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution, calling for the termination of the Constitution. But so many people are going to vote for that. And so many of Ralph Norman's voters won't care that he was advocating for a military coup and doesn't regret doing so. What do you think we would see in a second Trump term if Trump's saying, yeah, we're going to do worse. And those who would, I guess, be responsible for stopping him are saying, nah, it was all fine what he tried to do. It's crazy. Let me shift to a more hopeful message. Here's lawyer Mark Elias on MSNBC with a little bit of hope. So my message to everyone is don't believe the cynics. The cynics want you to believe that all is lost. It is Donald Trump and the MAGA forces that want you to believe that there is no hope for free and fair elections in 2024. Optimism is the tool of the left. It is pessimism that Donald Trump is trying to sell you. So right now in courtrooms around America, democracy is winning. We just saw in Louisiana a, a federal court make sure that there'd be another black opportunity district after Alabama did and went to the Supreme Court and won. We have seen in courtroom after courtroom voter suppression laws be struck down. Donald Trump and his allies lose, not just when my team took him on after the 2020 election and won 64 of 65 cases, but year and year out. And, and just look, just, uh, just today, Wisconsin uh, court upheld the uh, challenge to some of their vote by mail laws. So have optimism. Be careful. You know, don't 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 sugarcoat what Republicans are up to, but have optimism because there are lawyers like me and many, many others fighting for for democracy in courts and it's winning more than it's losing. I'll leave it there. My goodness. Make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. It's a small thing, but it is a tiny little step in supporting the sort of pro-democracy side of of the media spectrum. Uh, you can also become a member if you're thinking, that's not enough. I'll subscribe, but I got to do more. You can become a member at lukebeasleyshow.com slash membership. And then podcast listeners, please rate and review.